Hi guys, Shay Cormack here. I'm a middle-aged adult. I've got a family, I've got a job, and so my amount of uh, disposable time in a given week is pretty low. Uh, but one of the one things I really love to do with some of that free time is to play D&D. And um, I really encourage people to give Dungeons & Dragons a try. And I advocate uh, the use of the hex crawl system as a really easy, low prep um, way of running a game of Dungeons and Dragons. Um, I really enjoy the preparation style of uh, Hex Crawl. I don't necessarily have to create anything during the week as I lead up to my uh, game on Friday night. But if the mood strikes me and I'm starting to feel a little bit creative or I'm a bit motivated, I can. Um, get some blank maps or something like that off the internet and uh, stock them with monsters and treasure and uh, ideas, stick them in my pile of um, adventure locations and uh, random encounters and I can lean on those later on um, during the play. So what I like about that is I can do preparation when I'm motivated, when I've got some inspiration, but I don't necessarily have to do any particular preparation leading up to a game. I've started speaking in the last um, episode about beginning to create uh, the resources you need to run a hex crawl. And in the last episode, I talked uh, specifically about creating a map. And uh, next thing after you've got a map is starting to um, populate it with stuff. Most especially your safe location. So as I was talking about in the past, you want a town or a keep or a castle or some location on the map where the player characters are going to start from at the start of a session and they're going to end the session back in that safe location. So once you've had a bit of a think about where you'd like to put your safe location and what kind of uh, town or city or keep or whatever it's going to be, there's a few things you might want to include in that town um, that are going to support the rest of the gameplay. Now, there is a strong um, line of thought that your safe location should be quite generic. It shouldn't really have um, any adventures or anything too interesting happening within that town. Let's call it a town, for example, because the uh, type of play we're looking for is pushing people out into the wilderness, out into having adventures outside of the town. And so we don't want them to spend hours and hours wandering through town, shopping, talking to random NPCs. But saying that there's nothing wrong with having um, some interesting uh, NPCs that the players can get to know and love, have some reasons um, connecting the player characters to that town so that uh, they've got a vested interest in protecting that town, um, keeping it safe, and not just abandoning it to whatever fate uh, might befall it. You know, this might come in handy later on in, in the adventure or campaign. Maybe at some point uh, a horde of monsters begins to threaten the town um, and instead of just abandoning the town, the players might feel uh, connected to that town and want to protect it. But uh, keeping it a bit of a blank slate and not preparing too much about the town gives you the same advantage um, as doing that on the bigger scale of the entire world map. If you leave it blank or as generic as possible, there's lots of opportunities during play uh, for the 
cap players or yourself to begin to build themes and ideas and stuff on top of that kind of blank canvas that you've left yourself. But there are a few things that are really handy to have in town. Of course, shops. Now, like I said, we don't want our player characters to be spending half the session uh, shopping and wasting all that valuable playtime. Um, so you want to have some kind of shopping available, but if you can create a mechanic where they can shop um, during the week uh, through like an online kind of system, uh, that can save you a lot of time. So what we do in our, in our game is during the week on our Facebook group where we post the events um, for each game, we have one of our uh, players, someone who doesn't actually play in our game, but they run a shop on our Facebook group. And during the week, players can spend their loot buying uh, stuff. Now, another really handy thing to have uh, in your town is some kind of mechanic to get rumors. Now, especially when the characters are first starting um, the campaign, having access to some kind of rumor table uh, will enable you to feed them adventure hooks and uh, prime them for potential adventures or um, ideas. Now, not everything in your rumor table has to be true. Some of it must might be misleading or, or false. But what you can do is um, say if there are, as I'm going to describe soon, some adventure locations that you've already decided on, like maybe there is um, the crazy uh, wizard in his tower who is just wreaking havoc on the local area. Maybe that's a known location on your map, but not only is it a known location, but in the rumor table, there might be rumors about this mad wizard and some of the things he's getting up to. So if the players are in town on the first session, maybe before play even begins, you might roll on the table and say something along the lines of you were in the pub, um, you overheard a conversation, someone was talking about this mad wizard, someone should really do something about it. So you're starting to see ideas for the party, what they might go and do out in the wilderness. Another mechanic you might want to have available for your players in the town is the ability to hire henchmen. Now, I base a lot of my um, hex crawl theory um, on some old school Dungeons and Dragons, especially uh, the BX edition. And in BX, there's the ability to hire torchbearers, um, people to carry your loot, uh, soldiers to fight on your behalf, as well as possibly clerics and wizards as well. Now, I haven't gone down this route because in 5th edition, the player characters are powerful enough by themselves. And also, mainly because combat already takes up quite a bit of time with, say, five or six player characters. If you give each of those player characters another NPC to control, you're going to extend the period of time that any battle takes quite considerably. So I skipped that idea, but that's always an option you could have. Um, and one of the, the last thing I want to talk about in town, but it's not, it's not the only other thing you can do, is I really enjoy adding carousing tables into the town mechanics. So uh, what carousing means is at the end of a session, when the player characters return to the town, safe and sound hopefully, uh, they have the opportunity to carouse. Now in BX, you might spend money and carouse, but in my 5th edition, the characters don't have to spend any money, they can just choose to carouse, and they roll on a table 
to see what interesting things their characters get up to while you're in town. Now, the carousing tables are really special and they can be used to develop characters, um, personalities, quirks, um, things that are happening to them, things they can get interested in. Uh, because not only are we trying to create emergent stories and emergent play uh, through these random tables and random encounters out in the wilderness, but our characters are a little bit of a blank slate. I'd encourage most players to bring characters that don't have a big ginormous uh, backstory and try and develop who this character is by the way they react to the encounters that they um, have um, on their journeys and in their adventures, but also possibly latching on to some of the things that happen um, when they're carousing. You know, so for example, I have a priestly carousing table. So anyone who's playing a cleric or a paladin, they might choose to use the, the priestly carousing table. They roll their d20, I look up the result in the table, and it might say something along the lines of, um, you convert uh, 1d10 townsfolk to your religion, and that might all be all it says. But now um, that cleric might really be, wow, that's special. I've converted some people to my religion. Yeah, that's really cool. And they might start talking about, what can I do um, for my religious order? Maybe I can find lots of loot and not spend it on magical weapons and items, but I want to get enough to build a cathedral to my god in the town where the people that I've converted to my religion can come and worship. So... Um, carousing tables can create hooks and ideas um, for the players to add more flavor to their characters and I have really seen carousing tables do some special things in the role-playing side of things you can also in your um, carousing tables uh, create mechanical advantages um, and disadvantages uh, for your characters so for example I've got a debauchery carousing table which is a very high risk table to roll on this is where a character goes into town and uh, overindulges in either drugs or al and alcohol. And very good things might happen to them. Maybe they win a lot of money um, at the races from gambling. But also some very bad things might happen to them uh, when they wake up in a ditch missing all of their equipment and uh, ha after having taken a severe beating. So you can have good things and bad things um, happen to the characters when they roll on carousing tables. They're a lot of fun. Look up some carousing tables on the internet and you'll see some of the possibilities um, that you can work with. And I'm also uploading uh, or making available all the carousing tables that I've created. And um, I will be able to tell you where you can download those and look at them probably in the next um, episode. So come back and listen to the next episode because I'm going to make all my tables um, available to the general public. So we've talked about um, setting up your safe location, your starting and ending location um, on the map. But also what you might want to do is choose some hexes around on your map and put special adventure locations in them. So you might choose a hex and go, I'm definitely going to put an underground crypt in this hex. And I've got this, uh, say for example, I've got this dungeon that I've seen in... Um, in uh, this PDF that I purchased, I'm going to put it in this hex. And when the players get to that hex, there's a chance they're going to just stumble upon it. But if they search the hex thoroughly, they'll definitely find this crypt and be able to go inside and adventure in it. Uh, 
Conversely, what you might do is then, like I said about that wizard tower, the wizard's tower, you might say to yourself, I am going to create a wizard's tower um, as an adventure. I'm going to spend a bit of time and draw myself a map of a wizard's tower. I'm going to think up a crazy name for the wizard and pick some stats for him. And he's going to have some minions and I'm going to make that a little side adventure. And I'm going to pick a hex for the wizard's tower to be in. But I'm not going to keep it a secret from the player. I'm going to draw a little wizard's tower in that hex and they can see clearly where it is. So you've got the idea that there are some interesting um, adventure locations that are well known by the people of the world and they could you know you could talk to anyone of the general public and they could point you in the direction of the crazy wizard's tower but there's also crypts and other adventure locations that have been lost to uh, the general knowledge of man and can only be found through searching a couple of resources that can help you with these preparations um, Dyson Logos is a great website, Dyson Logos, and there's a lot of free maps on that website. They're unpopulated, so they're blank. You can add in your own monsters. That's really great uh, for creating locations. Also, the one-page dungeon competitions that are held every year, you know, you can download those. There's like maybe a hundred one-page dungeons in uh, one of these compendiums, and you can go through there, and you might find... Uh, five or six that really capture the theme of what you're going for in your world. You can pull those out and seed them around on your map. Also, you know, to drive through RPG, one that I'd really recommend is this one called Tome of Encounters. And it's got really short encount encounters. Not all of them are underground. Some of them are in, in forests and different environs. And you can pepper them around your map as well. Another strong theme that's often used in a hex crawl is placing a mega dungeon in the hex crawl somewhere and so you might um, purchase a mega dungeon um, from one of the websites or one from uh, from Watsi, and you're going to have this huge mega dungeon and the players can travel from town to the mega dungeon start delving into the mega dungeon and at the end of each session they return to town so they can lick their wounds and buy more arrows and next week go back to the dungeon and try and delve further into it that's a real classic um, use for a hex crawl now, I think I've probably covered most of the stuff, except for I'm going to mention something that's going to come up soon, and it ties back into this. When people enter a hex, and you roll to see what the contents of the hex are, sometimes when you roll on that, you're going to come up with the, um, with the result Adventure Locale. Now, if you haven't already placed a known adventure location in that hex, or if you haven't um, already placed in an, a hidden adventure locale in that hex. Now is when you go to your pile of one-page dungeons and other random little encounters that you have in a stack sitting next to you, and you pick one of those randomly pretty much to play with the characters. So what that looks like for me is that um, at my table, I have a small pile of one-page dungeons and other small encounters um, for the region the characters are playing in. So say they're moving through um, the grasslands. You know, I might have about 10 small adventures or small dungeons sitting in a pile. And if the characters roll that they're going to have an adventure location, but there's nothing specific in that in that hex, I'll look at my pile, say there's 10 adventures there or 10, uh, uh, 10 pieces of paper. I'll roll a 1d10. I'll rifle through the pile. Say I rolled a 6. 
I'll pull out the sixth piece of paper, have a look at it, and then I might say to the players, hmm, as you're walking through this area of grassland, you see a small hillock. In the side of the hillock is a dark opening to an underground passage. What do you do? Now, the players might decide they've been in too many fights today and that they know that every time they go into dark passages underground, uh, things go badly for them. They'd prefer to keep uh, completely ignore that and keep moving on. Or they might decide that they really want to go and see what's down that dark hole and see if there's any uh, loot to be found down there. there. Now, if they go inside it, um, we just move into traditional play of Dungeons & Dragons where I begin narrating to them uh, some kind of underground adventure. Maybe it's a dungeon, maybe it's a crypt, maybe it's just a series of caves. If they don't um, decide to pursue that adventure, what I'll do is I'll write on that ad on the top corner of that adventure which hex they found that adventure in. And so if they come back to that hex ever again, um, they might say to themselves, let's go back to that, that hex where we saw a hillock with, a, um, with an opening into the underground. I think we should go back there and, and go and find that adventure place. If they ever do that, I can just find that piece of paper. It's got the hex number written on it, and I can present that adventure to them. Or I could just put it back into my pile of random adventures, and the next time they roll um, that they're encountering an adventure location, I can just pick another random one from the pile. It could be the same one. So I hope that covers a lot of um, what you can seed your hex map with. And I really hope uh, that there's a few Dungeon Masters out there trying to take on this challenge. There's lots of other places to find information about how to uh, create and run hex calls, crawls. I want to give another shout out to Jason Hobbs, who runs uh, two podcasts that are worth listening to. Actually, three. Um, his primary podcast is called Hobbs and Friends. Um, his other podcast, Random Screed, is a great listen. But the most important one in terms of... Um, Hex Crawl Information is a podcast that he has called Hex Talk. Look that up. It's about six episodes, seven episodes long. It's phenomenal uh, work and uh, just a must listen to anyone who's wanting to run a Hex Crawl. So I recommend go and check that out and come back and listen to my next episode where I'm going to be making available all the tables that I use and all the material I use to run a Hex Crawl. And I'll be continuing on uh, to discuss some of the way we use tables and how we create tables to use in our hex crawl. So have a great game of D&D, and I'll see you soon.